This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. Hi, everyone. Thank you for tuning in. We are going to talk a little twins with Brett Bollinger. And Brett, um, last time we spoke, the twins have gotten off the schneid uh, as far as uh, the season opening losing streak is concerned. But the season opening trend uh, has still been rough for this club. Um, let's talk about something positive that's come out of that is Joe Maurer's performance. Uh, now, we have the, all the caveats apply. He's 33 years old. It's April. But it's hard not to be enamored with what he's doing here early on. A 452 on base percentage entering the week, 15 walks against just eight strikeouts. Uh, what do you think? Sustainable, unsustainable? What do you think of Mr. Maurer's start? Well, I don't know if it's going to be quite this sustainable. I think he's going to finish with an on base percentage that high. But I do think so far there's been some positive signs. Like you said, the big thing is just the strikeout rate and the walk rate. And I think those are kind of stats that uh, tend to normalize a little bit earlier than other stats. Um, so I think that, you know, the fact that he's seen the ball so well, I don't see a situation where all of a sudden now he's going to start striking out a bunch more and, and draw him, you know, drop him in terms of walks. Um, I think more than anything, I think he's just probably um, as healthy as he's been the last two years. His concussion symptoms have gone down uh, over time. Um, it's hard to say, you know, if he's going to fully keep it up, but I do think kind of looking at a lot of the peripheral stats, it's not like he's, you know, doing anything too far over his head. His line drive rate's a little bit uh, higher than his normal uh, average, but but I'm sure that'll come down and that'll probably bring down the average and on base a little bit. But in terms of uh, the walks and strikeouts, that's kind of the best sign so far, especially the strikeouts, because that's something the last two years really kind of jumped up on him. I think that was such an elite hitter for such a long time, partly because he you know, didn't strike out very much. He put the ball in play a ton, hit for a high average. I think the previous two seasons, the strikeout rates went up you know, pretty dramatically. I mean, for him to kind of get back down to, to a low normal, just kind of him before the concussion, uh, I think is definitely a good sign something he can carry forward. Yeah, the, the walks and strikeout thing is real. There's no doubt. He's an elite hitter, a smart hitter. Uh, we know he's not going to hit for the power he did in his MVP year, but uh, but certainly that plate discipline when when that's uh, when that's in full force, this guy is a force. Um, you know, we spoke going into spring training about uh, his struggles in day games versus night games, and something he had spoken about, and the, the numbers certainly bore that out. Uh, as far as solution to that it was thrown out well he could wear sunglasses in day games and kind of shrug and say okay not sure how much of a difference that's going to make but it turns out he does have uh, some help from glasses of a different sort uh i've seen the reports uh i believe the st paul pioneer press had, had the first report about his uh goggles that he's been wearing as, as a training device basically kind of uh basically forces you to keep your eye on the ball uh otherwise the strobe light effect uh takes in on these goggles uh kind of an interesting story, Red, right? I mean, it's a unique training method. I haven't heard much about this uh, with other players, but it seems to be working for Joe. Yeah, definitely. It is definitely interesting. I've never really heard of that uh, before either. I want to say even Nike even discontinued the glasses that they make that they're using right now. Uh, but for Joe, it appears to be working, obviously. It kind of helps him track the ball and not move his head. 
Um, at the same time, though, guys like Eddie Rosario has been using it, and he's been having, uh, you know, a pretty uh, bad start to the season, I guess you could say, compared to last year. So it's hard to say how much of it really is, you know, what's helping Joe, considering other players are trying it out to really no, uh, no help, to be honest, so far. But for Joe, though, I think it's a good tracking thing for him because it allows him to kind of keep that head still, track the ball better, uh, see the ball better, and he knows if he, you know, if he moves too early, the throw budget can kind of affect you. So I think um, it's a good tool for him, it seems like. Um, it's working. You just kind of use it only like during, you know, you're only using it when you're doing like soft toss, that kind of stuff. It's not like they're doing that during actual real hitting. But I think right. it's just a way to keep your mechanics in line, especially kind of moving your head. And I think the big thing we talked about with Joe was, yeah, just, just seeing the ball. I think the previous years we talked about the whole sunglass deal, you know, having trouble with the lights and the glare during day games. Um, and it just seemed like the kind of his big skill was always how well he could track the ball. Um, in the last few years, that wasn't the case. And I think this year we're seeing that. And I think these glasses probably do have a little bit of help in terms of you know, helping him kind of keep his, his mechanics and his head straight and kind of look for the ball and, and things like that. Because I think that's the big thing we've seen so far, just better play discipline and better back control. Um, and I'm sure these glasses probably, uh, he said they definitely helped him a little bit here. And we'll kind of see how much other guys use him going forward. It's definitely an interesting uh, uh, thing to do there to kind of get ready for the games. Well, you're right. Nike did discontinue them. Uh, I'm not to bring those bad boys back. It just keeps up. Uh, exactly. So I'm our high-profile athlete, of course. Uh, I could probably use these things on the golf course, you know, keeping your head down. But, uh, you know, as uplifting as Maurer's start is, that's how concerning uh, Miguel Sano's start is, uh, I mean, especially defensively. Uh, it's, it's kind of it's the concerns we had about him making that transition to right field. You know, he had uh, minus four defensive runs saved here in the early going, so it seems those concerns were justified. Yeah, so far it's been tough for him in the outfield. He's had some uh, some rough ones out there, especially uh, missed a, a sinking liner um, in a game last week that kind of led to, to three runs and an eventual loss uh, that, you know, I think could have been prevented if he just caught the fly ball that I think most guys would have caught. It was a sinking liner and, and it hit off his glove. Um, his arm has been fine out there. It's just all about kind of, you know, reading the ball off the bat correctly and, and footwork. Things that we were kind of worried about in spring have started kind of manifesting themselves here. Uh, so far in the early going, obviously it's still so early that he could obviously get better as it goes along, but uh, those growing pains are real. Um, we'll kind of see what they want to do going forward. I think right now, with Ploof out, uh, they did get to know at third base for one game, uh, but it sounds like they don't want to do that permanently just because he hasn't really had that many reps there at third base in recent years even, just because they had Tommy John in 2014. He's only played like 70 games at third going back to uh, 2013. Um, so a lot of fans obviously want to know to go to third base now while Poof's out. This way they can have more of an athletic outfield. They can have an outfield of, you know, Bucks and Rosario and even Danny Santana. as He's expected to get activated from the DL. Um, but I think the Twins would rather even just put Danny Santana at third. I think truthfully they just think those guys are, are been, Eduardo Nunez is better defensive third baseman than Sano right now. And I think part of it, too, they want to get as many reps as they can on the outfield for Sano because this could be a, a permanent move. You don't, they don't know for sure. But, you know, Ploof's still on a contract for next year, so you got to figure that, barring an unlikely trade, he'll probably be back at third base. Uh, they have, obviously, Park and Maurer on a contract for several years. So, for Sano, the only way for him to really play almost is in right field. Uh, but so far, defensively, it really hasn't worked out the way they were hoping. But at the same time, it's not too unexpected just because, uh, you know, the struggles he had in spring training and the fact that it's just a totally new position for him. He's such a big guy. He's an athletic guy, but he's still 270 pounds out there, which is just rare to see. Um, and I think that with time, he could become an okay outputter out there. But so far, uh, he's definitely had his fair share of strength. Yeah, obviously the hope is that, uh, you know, what he gives you offensively overcomes 
whatever detriments he brings you defensively. That hasn't really been the case here in the early going. Uh, strikeout rate is a little ahead of last year, uh, but it's not offset with the extra base hit percentage that he had last year. Uh, his extra base hit percentage is 6%. It was 10.8 last year. We talked a little bit going into the season about the high strike. It was something he was a little more susceptible to last year, and it seems like uh, opposing pitchers trying to take advantage of that here early on. Yeah, definitely. That's, that's kind of the most concerning thing with, with Sonora right now is the strikeout rate. I mean, last year, obviously, had a ton of success, uh, but even then, the strikeout rate was too high. I mean, it couldn't, it wasn't really sustainable yeah. in terms of, of kind of going forward. I thought, okay, if anything, he'll cut down on the strikeout rate just because he does have a pretty good plan up there. He's got a lot of play discipline. He's not really a guy that chases too many pitches out of the zone. Um, but for whatever reason, this year has gone up even more. And I think the reason, like you said, is just I think pitchers have kind of figured out some of his weaknesses and it's getting him with a high fastball or just getting him up in the zone. Um, and he's had trouble with that pitch right now. And I think as long as they continue to kind of continue to, to make adjustments against him and he hasn't really fully adjusted yet, um, it's going to be tough on him. He's, he's been better recently, the last you know, week or so. Starting to see some more of that power, some of the home runs are coming, some of the extra base hits are starting to come now. Because more than anything, it was really a slow start. I don't think he had an extra base hit in his first, you know, seven games or eight games. But since then, he has been better um, in hitting for power. And the whole thing, he's been drawing walks the whole time, even though he struggled. So, you know, he still has a good, you know, good plate discipline and still sees the ball pretty well. But um, right now, the strikeout rate is through the roof. And obviously, he's not alone. Guys like, you know, Rosario and Buxton and even Park have had some trouble. Um, this whole team, you know, obviously the, the game against Tanner Rourke definitely kind of exposed all their flaws as a team with those strikeouts. Uh, but Sonoma's you know, kind of leading the way with that. And I think if he can kind of, you know, cut that down a little bit here, I think he'll probably be uh, obviously a very good offensive player. I still think he has the most offensive potential on this team. Um, but so far it's been a slow start for him uh, both offensively and defensively, although he has been better recently offensively. Yeah, he's uh, the stat cast data will, will tell you he's still hitting the ball hard, and he's hitting the ball more frequently to left and center, which was uh, in his wheelhouse last year. So um, certainly capable of uh, shaking off that, that slow start and getting going on the offensive end, and we'll see what the future holds for him defensively. Uh, Rhett, we can't do a Minneapolis, Minnesota-centric podcast without mentioning the death of Prince last week. I know, uh, you know, most the vast majority of guys in that clubhouse are not from the Twin Cities, but uh, it still seems like something that, uh, that, that that clubhouse played a lot of attention to. Um, I, I believe they played, they blasted Prince music after a win and uh, wore the, the purple wristband. So it seems like they're still touched by, by that man and his music. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Prince means so much to the state, uh, you know, obviously being from here and always kind of embracing it throughout the years. And the Twins have always, you know, paid uh, tribute to him in any way through uh, Target Field. You know, they had a home run. They played Let's Go Crazy. Uh, you know, even when they win a game, uh, one of his songs is kind of the, the song after the game they play. And then Red, Little Red Corvette was the team's kind of theme song last year. Uh, Tony Hunter came aboard and kind of made that um, unofficial team song where, like, they were, you know, basically after every bus ride to and from the games, they'd have rookies stand up in the bus and sing that song and then, uh, they played a lot, even some of after wins, that kind of stuff. Um, and so when I walked into the clubhouse, you know, the day that Prince had died, uh, Twins were obviously in Milwaukee, and after the game, they're only playing Little Red Corvette, like on a loop, and they started playing a little bit more hits too. But um, so yeah, it was a lot of the players like Prince, just because I think it was such a Minnesota thing too, with so much of it was played at the ballpark. Uh, and obviously, in last year with all the players singing his song, uh, I think it kind of touched a lot of the guys. And Molitor being from Minnesota, uh, there's not like a huge Prince fan, but certainly uh, respected his work and. and and knew what he meant to the state. 
Uh, he had a nice statement about it, too. So, yeah, the Twins definitely want to pay tribute. And like you said, obviously the Purple wristbands and the team, uh, you know, Purple Lights at Target Field the day it happened and the, uh, you know, tribute with the Purple Twitter account, changing their logo, everything else. Uh, certainly going to pay tribute to, to Prince, especially because he means so much to the state. Absolutely. All right, I want to thank Rhett for joining us. Thank you all for tuning in. This has been MLB.com Extras, Minnesota Twins Edition. MLB.tv Premium, the number one live streaming sports service, is celebrating 13 years. Watch every out-of-market regular season game live or on demand in true HD. Real-time highlights, live look-ins, pitch tracking widget, and more. MLB.tv Premium includes a free At-Bat 15 subscription. Watch live baseball on over 400 mobile and connected devices. Watch at home, in the office, or on the go. Every night, on every device. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Visit MLB.tv for details. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.